Welcome to A Kenyan's Experience, a podcast for Kenyans by Kenyans. In this podcast, we use real, raw, and personal journeys to provide you with the knowledge and the power to demystify, simplify, and make better decisions about your academic and professional future. This podcast is relevant for everyone at any point in their academic or career path, from high schoolers to university students to industry professionals, and even those looking to pivot later in their careers. Here at AKE, we ask the questions you wished you had before you started your journey and normalize making bold decisions for you. So tune in for a once-weekly episode that will leave you inspired, challenged, and laughing as Kenyans tell their stories here on A Kenyan's Experience. In this new season, we're introducing a new feature, voice notes, whereby you as the audience will be able to click on a link that will be in our show notes and let us know what you thought about the episode. Any feedback you may have, you know, as far as content or even like technical stuff, we want to improve. So hit that link, record a voice note and let us know what you think. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of A Kenyan's Experience. We are excited to have another amazing guest. All of our guests have been amazing, but this one does feel special because it's someone that Cynthia and I both know from high school and I haven't seen or talked to for ages. So super, super excited that she's here. We're joined by Joanne. Yay! Hi, Hi, everyone. Yeah, super excited to have you. And as usual, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Cynthia and Galoni. Say what's up. What's up, guys? Happy to be back. Feels like it's been a while. Hey. <laughs> it has. Hey, guys. How are you? <laughs> Good. Yes. Yeah, so we'll get right to it. Joanne, I have so many questions, like what you've been up to, how is life, but I'll try to keep it super professional for the sake of this podcast so tell us about yourself Joanne (laughs) wow that's uh, such a loaded question but first of all I just want to say thank you so much to Cynthia Galoni Dennis and Eric for having this platform I think it's just amazing to have somewhere where we can just learn from our peers whether it's people older than us or even people younger from us and just to have um, you know especially, as you said, a Kenyan's experience, because it's so different to just any other African. So thanks so much for having this platform. Um, So in terms of me, tell me about me. Uh, Gosh, so I think I am a legal research associate. That's what I do at Durham University. Um, I also did law in the UK and then I did Kenya School of Law in Kenya so I'm also an advocate of the High Court of Kenya but I don't really know about that side so that will come to later but yeah that's me. Nice nice and ever since you've known you've always liked law um, just going back to to Hillcrest days law has always been your thing and it's actually nice to see that you continued with it. I know some people normally just drop the ball and try and find you know something else to do because that's not their career. But were you ever tempted by like other courses or has law always just been the one for you? Um, so actually around year 
12, yeah, around year 12, I thought of dabbling in like environmental science because I really enjoy geography. So this is like post um, IGCSE grades. And, um, you know, when you're trying to pick your A-levels and I was like, well, you know, I did well in geography and I quite enjoy it. And um, let me see what I can do with that. But then I was like, well, I don't actually know anybody who did environmental science. It was just like, I think I was on Google and I was like, degrees with geography um so i would say that lasted like maybe three months and then i was like "Mm, maybe not so actually i remember when you told us you love geography (laughs) i remember with ruth who just like what do you mean john what are you gonna do with that degree and we were just like we've never met anyone who loves geography Wait, you guys, I remember you guys used to talk, sorry, excuse my language, shit about geography, basically. I think there was just some drama in that class. <laughs> it was a specific teacher who shall remain. Yeah, but, we uh... shall not name. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I, yeah, I remember, John, you... I yeah. told you, and I remember, I can never forget, Cynthia's reaction was like, rocks, like you're going to be studying rocks, because in her head she was like... <laughs> That's what you do in geography. Like, you must just be doing rocks. And I was like, no, you know, you do this and that and the other. And her and Ruth were just like, I don't know. Even I remember even Clara was just like, what? Yeah. We were just like, hey, baby girl. We were like, by the way, there's other things. But anyways, you are ignorant. <laughs> now we know our children can study about rocks and it's fine. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, but uh, we're really sorry if we discouraged you, Joanne. But you seem to be thriving now, so happy. <laughs> it wasn't even just you. Even like I went home, I told my parents the same thing. They were just like, "But what?" Because you know, the only thing we know that had to do with, like the word geography is like geology. So I guess that's why everyone thought you're just mm-hmm. doing rock. So they're like, "What are you going to do with that?" And I was like, "I don't know." And then geology is also like you kind of needed to do physics and I was like oh god no so I didn't I had no clue what I was going to do with that geography basically and you know now as you said we have more information there's so many things but yeah so that was my short-lived let's say three three months of being a geographer you you basically said that now you describe yourself as a legal advocate researcher is that sort of like what you describe yourself now as your role in Durham or would you describe yourself as a lawyer because you're an advocate for the high court which by the way is just such a nice title right (laughs) uh thanks so um with what I do in terms of my role I do legal research so I research different things mostly to do with energy policy globally so I research on it and then I write papers in conjunction with the dean at the law school because that's his area of specialty that he's been researching in. So that's what I do in terms of my day job. But in terms of what I've done academically to this point, because I did Kenya School of Law, and um, when you pass, you become an advocate. Now, I can't really put advocate yet, because I haven't been admitted to the bar. So hopefully, I'll do that this year, because you have to do it physically. But I've like passed all like the exams and I've done my pupillage and everything. So it's more of like the actual like setting the date and being put on a list and just coming to be admitted to the bar. What does that mean exactly? Um, you go, so you basically go in front of the um, chief justice and you 
this is just like a summary of the day, but you basically are going to go in front of the chief justice, say this oath, and you get, and then you sign the role of advocate, and now you're, ad- that's how you say admitted to the bar. So like now you're allowed to go to court and you have what we call rights of audience. You can go to court, I can speak in court, I can some sign certain things if you need an advocate to sign them. Um, so as we speak now, I wouldn't be allowed to go to court and do that because I'm not yet an advocate, but I've done all the steps to that. So I just need to like, you know, sort of align when I'm free and the next time people are being admitted to the bar. I remember when my cousin was being admitted, um, she had to wear those active weeks. <laughs> what do you think about those? <laughs> And why is it necessary? Why is it necessary? Very good yeah. question. Um, I, I think it's just a colonial relic that and I think as um, Kenyans, we need to figure out if we want to wear something on mm-hmm. our heads for whatever reason, we should get something that makes sense. Because why are we wearing blonde wigs and we're all Africans? Like, make it make sense. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but what was your experience um, at KSL like? You know, we hear stories. So from your experience, what was it like? It's like flashbacks. Like <laughs> flashbacks. <laughs> in your head. <laughs> um, I feel like KSL, honestly, needs like its own episode. And then maybe we need like a round table of people who've gone through it and it's like therapy because what KSL was something. Okay. Let me let me try to put this in like politically correct ways, you know. But KSL is very disorganized. It's very, um, it's just it's too too small for the number of students they admit every year. So it was just so all over the place. And then because you've, I think especially for us, maybe who've gone to uni abroad, and then you you come there, certain things as well. I mean, I even say those people who went to uni abroad. I think even people who went to universities in Kenya, like some of the facilities were just not able to accommodate all of us. So it's a small library. And then even the actual facilities, for example, you go to the library, you're used to maybe having access to like journals, for instance, right? And, you know, all of these things, but we didn't have access to a lot of those things. So you're expected to do research and things to a certain level, but you're not being given access to certain things. Um... I mean, KSL was something, um, but I think it was also a good way to to learn in terms of getting used to what the system is, because this is what you're going to be used to. You know, it is a, a public institution. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you're going to work in Kenya, these are going to be your peers as well. This is how the systems run, that the, the way things are on paper and how they are, as you say, qua ground, they're not the same. So it's good you... You know it from KSL. So there was that aspect of it. Um, there was also good parts. I mean, I've made friends who I'll probably be friends with for life at KSL. Um, you, you you can, you know, I guess when life gives you lemons, you know. So you do make good friends. You do learn, obviously, about the Kenyan law. So if you were someone who went to uni abroad, that does help. But, yeah, KSL... Um, is something <laughs> let's put it that way because <laughs> hey it was nine units that you're going to do the exam by the way is back to back so you're going to do nine units throughout the year and then the exam you just you're doing nine days straight 
So luckily we had two weekends in between, but yeah, it was madness. Um, we had, I think, was it 20% of your grade was a group project. Some people, depending on the group you got, some people you might get a useless group. Some people you might get a good group. You really don't know. Um, yeah, but I think it's just unfortunate that the public institutions such as KSL, they could do so much better because people do genuinely come wanting to learn wanting to put in yeah. the effort but it's just not um you know it's just too small for the number of people we were did you going to ksl do you think that deterred you from wanting to be a lawyer in kenya specifically mm, i think a bit yeah and not in terms of it deterred me from wanting to maybe just work in kenya i think i knew also at that point that Oh, maybe I wouldn't want to do education here if this is this is what we're dealing with. Um, but in terms of working, genuinely, I do think if if there's anyone who wants to be a lawyer in Kenya, look at care sellers. These are going to be your peers. So do honestly try and make friends there and stuff because they do help you because some of the things that we didn't learn um, in university and prior to, you do you will learn them there. People will also be able to show you how to go through certain things you know so it is it, it is good for that i would say um and coming from an a university abroad did you have to go through rearray you need to do that like region course before going into ksl or could you go directly yeah. so yeah um when so i graduated in 2017 and at that time i don't know if it's changed but at that time you had to go to rearray university and do what they call the pre-kenya school mm-hmm. of law um, compliance program so you had to do um, certain modules because those modules are compulsory in Kenya universities and you need them to get into Kenya School of Law so if you went to university in Kenya you'd have done them but because you haven't you have to go through Riara and then you, mm-hmm. you do whatever modules you haven't done yet and then once you pass you can now go to now you apply to Kenya School of Law because you can't even apply without those modules because obviously you can get in um so yeah i did riara um uh, did you having to go to riara sort of make you think twice about going to ksl or Mm -hmm. did you um just know this is the journey i have to take to go to ksl because i know a few people who did law abroad and they're like oh riara you need to ksl nah and then they've pushed it back and now they found something else to do um i think i didn't know what else i wanted to do that was the thing i i Genuinely, I'm so jealous of people who have many passions because I don't, unfortunately. So <laughs> I, I did. I know people who I haven't started Riara with and they were like, oh, no, I still have to do like two times of this. Uh, you know what? I have this business mm-hmm. I want to do on the side or whatever. And I'll do that instead. And they completely left law. So I didn't. I knew I always wanted to do law. I wanted to be an advocate. So I just like, oh, come by and by, you know, like this is me and we've done this. Um, and the other thing, um, KSL has one intake and that's in January. So if you miss it, that's you've missed the whole year. So because we graduate in July and the way the courses I had to take for Riara were going to take me into the next year, beginning January. So like you'd start the semester in September it ends in December, right? And then there's another semester from like mm-hmm. January to Easter time. Once you've missed KSL that January, that's you. So you just know the whole of next year, I'm not going to KSL because I've missed it. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, so and a lot of people go through that that cycle of really trying to find that point where you can enter. Mm-hmm. If you don't miss it, then now it's like you know, there's, there's so much that you have to to consider now for your future. Yeah, it's just that gap in that timing, especially for people who have gone abroad and then they come back because of the mix in, mm-hmm. in the in the schedules and how the semesters mm-hmm. are set up. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so it, um, looking back, you know, at the time I was like, oh, you know, I wanted to just finish, but then, you know remember you're also kind of young still you know you finish in your what 21 22 so as much as you want to rush sometimes just give yourself time okay you've been given a free year now so that's also a good thing you can use it to get work experience in kenya now because that's you for a year and there's nothing you can do you can't get into care in the middle of the year anyway so um i started working i used to also just use it to chill because you're also now home so you, you know, you can work part-time if you want to, or you can also start looking for pupillage because that's another thing that can be quite competitive to get. And if maybe you're someone who doesn't really know much about the legal industry in Kenya, that because that, you have the whole year, now use that time, start researching law firms, start looking what the law firms do if you do want to do pupillage in a law firm. And that also gives you time to research, like, oh, maybe I don't want to do pupillage in a law firm, I want to do in-house, I want to do this I want to do that what kind of um, organizations can I do it in you know start maybe even start going in and asking them you know try dropping your CV and stuff and of course you they'll see like hey you've come a bit early but on the other hand it gives you that that preparation and you also don't know you might be lucky they might even offer you maybe a part-time role maybe an internship before you start KSL um, some people also mm-hmm. did work while they were in KSL at law firms so you were able to already kind of start getting this experience and it does help you when you are in KSL because you're doing the theory in KSL and then let's say you work in a law firm now you're doing the practical also these advocates can be helping you because you can say I learned this in class today seemed a bit hard please explain this to me so um, don't necessarily take the year as like oh gosh it's gone it's really not Mm. yeah and you have that mindset Joanne I know there are people who yeah who don't you know they, they go through that and then mm-hmm. like, I've missed it completely and then they even end up changing careers so it's mm. a good attitude to have yeah mm. and you're not alone because on that course you're with other people who come from abroad and and by the way when, yeah. I th- when I'm saying abroad I don't just mean the UK as long as you did not do law school in Kenya even though you did it in Uganda you didn't do Kenyan constitutional law so you're still going to be in that same area with us so as long as it was not the Republic of Kenya they're all here and okay now what do we do um of course the fewer units you have you might then be because you say you're able to do all your units in that september term it means you can start ksl because ksl really starts towards the end of january there um beginning feb so you you can still have some time if you don't have many units to do and is there a way to basically ensure that you don't have to go to Riara University? Like, can you pick those units at university, like if whether you, whether, wherever you're studying abroad, or is it very specific to the Kenyan constitution that you have to sit it, you have to do those courses regardless, or so maybe fewer new units depending on where you've studied? So there, there is actually a list of the units you need to do. So you can go on, um, there's the Council of Legal Education and there's KSL, and they both have websites. So I can't remember which was which, but I, I got the list from one of those websites. So you can always check which one had them. And I did try and do them when I was in university. So, for instance, I tried in, uh, to do things like um, 
what's it company law and like equity things like that so some things were compulsory for me in the UK anyway and Kenya and then some were not so when you're picking mm-hmm. your subjects you needed to think of that but some things like constitutional law we don't do constitutional law in the UK so that one you either we have to do and then even though you did it in another country it's going to be different to Kenyan constitutional law yeah. so um you can just try of course go through the list try reduce as much as you can but um if you can't i, I think um the biggest thing i would say don't look look at it as a wasted year and just what does pupillage mean sorry yeah, that's okay <laughs> i think i'm so used to speaking as if i'm talking to you know people who done law so what kind of school of law is is that it's 18 months so you do 12 months so that's as i said it starts around ja- january end of january to november is when exams tend to be so that whole year you're doing class so you're going to kind of school of law um every day for your lectures and during that year you're going to have oral exams which are 20% and you're going to have a group project which is 20% and then 60% is going to be the exams that you do in november for nine modules now after that year the next year you need to do 6 months of pupillage which means you've applied to an organization and you need to work under an advocate of Kenya who has 5 years of good standing so you can't just go anywhere so you need to make sure the person you're working under has um you know good standing for 5 years now the organizations that provide this tends to be most people go to a law firm but you can work for the government as the um the dpp sets the uh, public prosecutions you can work for the attorney general's office um and c- certain like banks might take pupils so it just depends and and that's why i was saying you do need to do your research because not all advocates of five year standing do take pupils and it is up to them to decide so not everyone necessarily wants to do that because it is learning um mm. so you do that for six months Now you're given what's called a workbook. So during those six months, you're writing down what you've done, and then at the end, you're what we call a pupil master. So your supervisor is going to sign to say you actually did it, and they give you some documents. You take them back to Kenya School of Law and between KSL and what's called the Council of Legal Ed- Education, which is the overall body that supervises this legal education in Kenya. So that includes undergrads and paralegals. So the larger body you take it and they're like okay so you have completed the steps and now you can be um admitted to the bar so um you're only in school for that one year and then you go off to pupillage um and then the the other thing is the nine exams why i think KSL is intense is during your pupillage you're meant to just be working but unfortunately there's a very high fail rate at KSL so at some point you might have mm-hmm. a reset so you might have to be there's a exams in November and in July is normally when they have resets so you might have to do a reset in July and that might push back when you do your um get admitted to the bar because to be admitted you need nine passes of because you need to pass all your modules plus six months yeah. of pupillage sounds quite rigorous to be honest yeah mm-hmm. all of that and you still love law yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, you you have the privilege of doing law in in the uk but 
were you ever tempted to do it in in Kenya? Like, did Kenyan universities ever tempt you? So I didn't actually know where I was going to go for undergrad. To be honest, I think it's like year thirteen, mm-hmm. maybe third term there when I really knew. So I did apply for UCAS, but my parents were still like, you know, I think because I'm the youngest, I'm like, oh, you know, are you really going to go? You know, um, it seemed a bit like, you know, they let you go and you're so young. But so nobody in my family has done law. So I had no, like not my parents, not my uncle, auntie, nobody. So I had to speak to like family friends who had done law and kind of ask them like, what do you think was the best? And also my parents asking them like, what should we do? And they were all like, they would advise that you go to the UK to do it. And specifically, so in the UK, we have what's called the law of England and Wales. And then Scottish law is different. And then Irish law is different. So you can't just pick anywhere in the UK. Um, so when I was, you know, having this conversation with them and, they, you know, they tell you things like that and they were saying their own children. And this, is, this is a lawyer telling you them, their own child, he took them to England to do law. So you're like, well, okay, if you, you know what's going on in this industry and that's what you think is the best, um, okay, let's look into that. So that's how I ended up finally making the, let me not say I, that's how my parents <laughs> ended up being convinced. <laughs> Um, cause I think for me, I didn't necessarily even want to go abroad at E because it was much better. It was also, you know, it's just an adventure. All your friends are going, um, yeah. you know, I've never lived abroad. So obviously I'm like, oh, it's be so fun. Um, so that's why also, obviously that was my big thing. Yeah. And I feel like, cause, cause we were in Hillcrest together. I feel like also that influenced a lot of people's decisions to go abroad, especially in Hillcrest cause they never really favored studying locally when when applying for whatever field like i don't remember oh, anywhere Cynthia, to be honest then, anywhere yeah, other than yeah, the yeah. uk they didn't really encourage you yeah. to go yeah, yeah yeah i think the only place um i, I think med i remember uh, our careers teacher miss njiro saying like oh you know it might be better to do it in kenya i think was it, it's quite hard to um i think sometimes like do what do you call it like a conversion or something um, but even then, it was more of like, well, you can, but it wasn't like pushed, like, yeah, you know, this exactly. is the best. It was just like, that's an option. But anyway, um, but you're right. It was very like, just go to the UK and that's it. <laughs> I think for me, I just was like, push system school. So you go to the UK. That's just how I thought about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with no one in your immediate family was in into law ever did law how did where did the idea of studying law come from did you watch suits like us and were like oh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i did i i used to watch you know suits and uh it's not even just my immediate family even my extended mm-hmm. honestly the first person wow. to do law is one of my cousins who's only five mm-hmm. years older than me so it's not even like she could give me advice because in school, right. she's four years apart, like, if that makes sense. Like, she's five years older, but she's mm-hmm. four classes ahead of me. So, obviously, right. even how does she really know to give me advice about the legal industry? Mm-hmm. So, um, I enjoyed the subjects that sort of put you in that direction of law. So, I was enjoyed and was good at, you know, English 
and I, I kind of like my humanities. I said I was I liked geography. Um, I was good at like things like business studies. Um, and then I was also good at sciences. So it's kind of like, well, what do we pick? But then mm-hmm. for sciences, as much as I was good at them, I'd had to put a bit more effort. So for me to get, um, say, an A or a B in a science, I've, I've basically eaten my books. But then for English and business and these other ones, it's like, okay, I have to study, but it's not giving me a headache. So, right. yeah, that already started pushing me that way. And then I think we had, like, a pretty good career service, I would say, in school. So started taking me in that direction. And then I had some family friends, as I said, who had done law. So sort of talking to my parents and to them, and they're like, oh, have you thought of this? So that's how I ended up being like, okay, I think law it is. Was there anyone who stood out for you? in terms of giving you that sort of like advice or did you have like a mentor or anything like that? So yeah, actually quite a few. So one of them is Clara's mom. I know you've had Clara on the podcast. So oh, Clara's mom's a lawyer. Yeah. What a yeah. Best, yeah. Oh my gosh. And she's <laughs> like the lawyer. Like, you know, I'm like, hey, when I grow up, that's, you know, the type of person I want to be. So I remember speaking to her and, you know, she tell me about, you know, hear what she's doing. She tells me about law. And I didn't even meet her that many times when I was younger, but that, that just stood out the way, like, you know, I could see what she's doing and how, and the fact that she's able to do that because she's a lawyer. Um, I did some work experience as well when I was in year 12 and where I worked, one of the partners, I, you know, near the end of my work experience, I just went and sat with him and just had a conversation with him, like, what would you say about, you know, how do you, just ask him, you know, about how do you like the law industry? How do you like even going to university? And he had lectured for some time. So I also asked him, like, how was that? And he had gone to uni abroad. So just those type of conversations where it's like, okay, this is something that I think I could do and I would enjoy doing. And you are in uh, in Swansea, right? Yeah. Swansea? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how was your experience there? And not just from studies perspective, but just generally how's life in Swansea? Um, so Swansea is in Wales, for anyone who doesn't know that, and it's about three hours to London, and it's the second largest city in Wales. So it's a bit different to, I think, the experiences you guys had because it was in Wales. Uh, it's by the sea. and the So literally university is just across the road from the beach. That was really nice. Um People were nice, honestly. Uh, the university is actually more diverse than you'd think because Swansea itself is not very diverse, but I think because people come from all over England as well for for the university and from around the world, it was you know really nice, diverse place to meet people from all over. Um, I think it really opened up my mind even more because you know you grew up in Nairobi and it's a city, but then you go somewhere where it's even more like you know you, you meet people from places I probably wouldn't have had I just stayed in Kenya. Um, so, yeah, I, I quite like going to uni in, in Swansea. Was it your first choice? No. So, <laughs> just like um, many people, that was uh, A-level results day was, um, <laughs> I would say, like, that's probably, like, one of the first heartbreaks I ever had, you know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Well, now I can laugh. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the <that> time, 
<laughs> yeah, at the time it was not um, funny. <laughs> but yeah, um, A levels results day um, it develops your character genuinely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it it's, does. It's, it's one of those that not many people speak of, but that that heartbreak is very popular. Like I feel like that's a lot of heartbreak for people because the universities they go to normally it's not their first choice, so they just have to deal with going to the place that can take them. And then I mean you're right. Eventually you just settle in, and then it becomes you know the city yeah. that was meant for you. But I think for most of us, where we went was not where we <laughs> wanted to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was a choice, but it wasn't my first choice. So I remember, yeah. mm. um, which again I said I think is just lucky with our career service was being told make sure every choice you pick you actually want to go there. Don't just take them because Absolutely. you might end up. And you know, of course, at the time you're like. I'm going to get into my first choice, but yeah, yeah. Eh, character development. Um, <laughs> so, but in hindsight, do you feel like it was the place you were meant to be? Because you went, you, you and Yvonne were both there, right? And I, I, I remember just seeing the both of you together, and I was like, that must be so nice, to be honest, because. You, you're with someone who you're already close with in high school and then you've gone there together, you're spending, you know, you have such a close group of friends and so in hindsight, do you feel like that was exactly where you needed to be or there's still a bit of like Tama, like, ah, you know, I wish I was somewhere else. No, I think, of course, you know, at first because you're like, oh, well, this was my first choice and then, um, you know, you're still sort of like settling in, I think at first, yes, but then you're right. I think looking back, I'm like, it was amazing because I made friends for life, people who to this day I still speak to, we're still very close. And, you know, as you said, I went to uni and I was with Yvonne, who to this day is still one of my closest friends. We met other people as well who we had been in high school with. So um, Mariam was the year ahead of us in school, but she took her gap year, so she ended up in my law class. So I even had mm. someone on my course who you know, I'd known before. Um, and then just, you even start bumping into other Kenyans and you're just like, hiya, yeah. even <laughs> when you guys are here. It's <laughs> <laughs> Goku. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, definitely was. I think also it was, because as much as Swansea is a city, it's still kind of s- slow enough that for me, it didn't feel too overwhelming at first. It's not very big. Mm. So it's not so hard to get around. It's not that expensive like, you know, some other cities. Um, and the weather is so much more. I know UK weather generally sucks, but, you know, where we were in Swansea, it's generally more mild. So it didn't have um, to deal with like a lot of snow and things like that. So it was a vibe. <laughs> and I can attest yeah. to that, having been finally going to Swansea. <laughs> Uh, it was very, very nice because my younger brother went to Swansea Uni as well. And nice. it was genuinely a really, really nice place to go to. Very chill. Like I still actually plan on going back to Swansea just to visit because it's also just like an hour. Is it even an hour? 30 minutes from Cardiff by train? It's, it's not popular. even an hour. You're right. Yeah. 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 And like the, just the scenery as well when you're on the train going through Cardiff and then from Cardiff, you've got Bristol, Bath, mm. like... It's very, very close to the south of the UK anyways. So I think even from Swansea, you can, or from Wales, you can also go up to like the northwest of England as well. So like Liverpool area, you're genuinely not far when you're in Swansea anyway. So it is a very, very nice city to be in. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the other thing is I didn't really know so much about it because it was not my first choice, right? So I, no, I hadn't done as much mm-hmm. research. But I think yeah. I would just say to anyone now on that A-levels results day, you know, now when you're picking yourself back up, you know, give yourself time for the tears. But now quickly, yeah. <laughs> pick yourself up and go. Imagine, at the end of the day, too, in the UK, you speak English, they speak English, you'll figure it out somehow yeah. because mm-hmm. it's not that complex to get around or anything. Um And, of course, you made the decision to go to that uni. So it means when you are doing your research, it must have been, hopefully, at least good in the, whatever course you wanted to do or whatever it may have been. Yeah. So when it and comes to law, did you... it meet your expectations? Mm. Did what, sorry? When it comes to now uh, doing law, did it meet your expectations? Sponsor? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's a very good uni for doing law. And um, I think for like law and business and engineering, was pretty good. Um yeah. It, it met my expectations and it taught me a lot of independent study, which I think universities meant to anyway, because we, you know, because of having seminars, you're used to, okay, you have a lecture, but you still have to study. And that also kind of keeps you on your toes because you can't really fall too far behind because of every two weeks um, you have, uh, so I guess when anyone doesn't know, a seminar is basically you have a small group within your class and it's normally max like 10 people and you'll sit down with a lecturer every two weeks in your different modules you're doing and you just talk about a certain topic. But it's normally the lecturer will ask you certain questions based on the topic you're doing. So it means you had to have read, there has maybe some journal articles you should have read, some uh, probably like they sent you some slides, things like that. So it does help you to do your own study, have an opportunity and ask questions. And throughout your journey um because we obviously have to plug them in did you ever have any sort of um relationship with UCAS uh, sorry not UCAS with UNICEF in terms of helping you sort of get to where you wanted to be in terms of visa applications stuff like that so definitely they did help because we um so from Hillcrest we were told you know when you meet when you get the results and all of this you know go to UNICEF and you know you'll figure things out so on that results day, you know, as I said, quickly picking yourself up. <laughs> so you cry today, tomorrow, you you <laughs> grab your parents and you go to <laughs> you go to the UNICEF offices. And yeah, they did help with like, t- just telling you the process of like, okay, now you need to get this document so that you can be able to apply for this visa to do this, to do that. Um, because I had sort of a clue, but you know, they really helped to now streamline that process for me in my mind. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to UNICEF. They're really helpful when it yeah. comes to yeah. things like that. And I think even for your parents, because, you know, at the end of the day, you're yeah. still a child. So, you know, even when you're telling them, mm-hmm. oh, we need to do this and this, they're like, Are you sure? But, you know, at least when you go to UNICEF and they're telling you, yeah, you know, you're supposed to do this because this and this and this. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I attest to that because my dad, when I was telling him, you know, when you when you finally hear back from universities when you've applied through UCAS, and I was telling my dad, oh, I, you know, I've heard back from this uni, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, are you sure? <laughs> 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 he was like, uh, yeah, I, 
yeah i could show you the email and like so definitely him hearing from unicef that this is what needs oh, to be gosh. done he's like oh an actual adult at this point i'm 18 and everything he's like no an actual adult and like i think he still remembers them to this day because they helped him out so much to understand the process and i think he would mm. call them for advice and similarly for my younger brother so no absolutely i think as much as like we're adults at that point going to university, hearing from actual adult people. Because yeah. yeah, at the end of the day, you're sending your child to who knows what God's land, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, 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 it's really helpful for sure. Yeah, you, even yourself, yeah. considering the process has changed, even though maybe you have um, older siblings, or maybe your parents went abroad mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, those things have changed. So, And I think also having that the school had told us to go to UNICEF mm-hmm. for that, um, advice, even you know, made my parents think. Okay, it's not just some random agency you've been sent to. This they know what they're doing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And then you go there, and of course, we were so many of us. <laughs> so you're like, oh, I know that person, I know that person. Your parents are like, okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we all just pangered the line together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you you then did um your your masters uh, as well. What influenced that decision? Was it an easy one to make? Did you know you wanted to go straight into a master's? So my master's actually was an idea that I had from undergrad. I kind of knew that I would eventually want to do a master's, but I didn't know in what. And so I did, my undergrad was just a law degree. I didn't do a minor in anything else. I just had simple LLB law. So it's quite general, which is good. So you kind of touch on everything. But now when it came to, okay, what do you want to do a master's in? I didn't know. So what I decided was, that's part of the decision I came back to Kenya was, I want to do Kenya School of Law because you do pupillage. So I knew I would end up working in the law firm. Plus I'd have done these nine modules. Somehow I must figure out what I want to do during that time. Um, but I had not anticipated how long the other would <laughs> take out. So that added time for me to think. So... Um, in the end, how I decided on which master's to do was now post-pupillage and working in the law firm. I was like, okay, I think I like, uh, I liked commercial law, but I wanted to do it with an international element. So that's why I ended up doing a master's in international trade and commercial law. Now, a uh, small like caveat here is that COVID happened <laughs> somewhere there. So also that added time for me because mm-hmm. I started... Kenya School of Law 2019. So that was, uh, as I said, the first year you just go to class. Now the second year of, now when I'm doing my pupillage, COVID hits. Now when COVID hit in Kenya, the courts closed, everything closes. And the thing with pupillage is there are certain things you must fulfill. So you can't do them if, let's say, the company's registries closed, the courts are closed. It means you're just not getting the... Um, experience that you you need to have to fulfill mm-hmm. pupillage. So I was still working at a law firm, but I was not technically doing pupillage. So uh, pupillage, which takes six months, ended up being a year because, you know, the lockdown kept happening and all of that. So again, gave me more time to think and I was able to have this experience. So that's also why it took so long in between undergrad and master's because, you know, COVID happened, Riara happened. So yeah. That's how I ended up doing the masters I did. Well, we said international trade and commercial law. Yes, sounded a lot. It's a lot. What does that mean? 
I think I'm I was trying to say it slowly so that my kikui tongue doesn't <laughs> <laughs> things you just see in movies um so okay that's a good question what is it so commercial law is very broad it's literally the law of business transactions that's so that literally means you know anything right now trade Mm -hmm. law you're looking at more government policy so things like the world trade organization things like the IMF, intergovernment uh, bilateral agreements, that's the type of thing. So you're kind of combining these two together Not internationally. So you, you want to look at, okay, so a perfect example I could give you is, say Kenya and the USA want to sign an agreement on trade. Now we would learn about how they can do that, um, what kind of laws are in place for that to happen. Now the commercial law side you'd be looking at things like what is the international intellectual property law? So how do how do these sort of things come in together as well? So it's, it's again, a very broad master's from someone who did a broad undergrad again, but mm-hmm. kind of enables me to do many things. So, right. yeah. So that also helps with what I do now because some of the modules you do, so, you know, as I said, things to do with... Um, international government policies but even you do things like energy law which again is quite global because where you get your oil is not necessarily where you you know we import oil for example so other countries export mm-hmm. oil so kind of look at all these things wow yeah that's all i have to say as well <laughs> <laughs> You know something I've taken away from this conversation. I'm sorry to jump the gun, Gadoni, but lawyers can get as a mob. That's just a lot of English. <laughs> oh, they do. <laughs> I was not. You know, it reminds me of that. Um, who's the name of that Kenyan lawyer? Who you've seen him? His tweets and stuff. What's his name? PLO. He speaks so much English. Yeah. PLO oh Lumumba, yeah. He <laughs> basically pulls... I'm just like, is that even a word, sir? <laughs> so <laughs> it's called uh, legalese. That's what we're told to try as lawyers not to do. So that when you're talking to someone who's a lawyer and you're there, you're throwing Latin at them, all these words, and they're there like, actually, what? <laughs> but I feel like actually. doctors do that. You know, they won't just tell you have a headache. They'll tell you something you're like, so what does that mean <laughs> yeah it's true it's true we're also also quite guilty we're also quite guilty um so you mentioned that you know you there was quite a lot of time taken between um you know graduating from your undergrad then going into riara going to ksl then doing your master's and sounds sounds like you had quite a broad undergrad into a broad master's but still sort of sounds like you've been able to like narrow down your focus what are sort of some of the tools that you've used because you know, seeing in your LinkedIn and stuff, you've also been focusing on renewable energy, which sort of ties back into your interest in environmental environmental sciences back in high school, which we made fun of you, but obviously has come back to help you. <laughs> so you know, it's a full circle. So how did you sort of like, what are some of the tools that you've used along the way in almost the past decade to sort of figure out what you as yourself like? Because And for someone who said doesn't have a lot of passions, you, you've had quite broad interests as well. So... Yeah. Um, I think my passions lay in law. I think that's why. So it's it's kind of like I don't know if mm. you'd ever 
let me say never say never but i don't know if you'll ever hear at joanna started i don't know a business selling i don't know clothes that that should shock you because <laughs> <laughs> you know like i don't know if i have those type of patterns but in terms of what tools i used again doing work experience i would keep saying it's so useful so i did work experience in year 12 and i did work experience during my after my second year during the summer holiday i did some work experience and then i did work experience okay i don't i guess not work experience obviously pupillage i did pupillage so all of that ties in because you you've done the theory in class you know you, you might say oh, i enjoyed this module and now you're doing the practice of it and you're like actually no or yes so for instance for me i knew that's how i started removing things like family law I was very quickly in practice I was like absolutely not criminal law I was like it's a no for me um so just like slowly like that but then you also start doing something so you, you know you do commercial law and you're like oh this is quite interesting you know you maybe you're reading through a contract and there's a dispute about it and you're like okay how do we help the client oh that's interesting or drawing up a contract for something um going to like arbitration uh and seeing okay these are this is what goes on here and being like okay these these are things i would actually want to do so yeah work experience i would definitely always recommend it if you're someone who's unsure really really helps opens your mind and then also just ask people you'll be so shocked how a lot of people are so willing to give in but just go ask you know maybe you're interested in something like for me i had no one who did law you know in my uh, you know like uh, nuclear family even extended So when I did get the chance to speak to an older person who's done law, imagine just ask them, oh, "What do you do? Oh, this is your practice is on these areas. How do you like that?" Or um and a lot of people are very honest. They might tell you like, "Oh, right now maybe this is not the best time to get into this because of this." Or, "Yeah, it's actually good." Or maybe instead of doing it just like this, maybe add something else. So for instance, for me it was like don't just do um kind of school of law. maybe get a masters and then think about what that masters can really add in value because now we have more lawyers so for for me it was like okay let me not just do something commercial law let me have that international element because we're having more and more international agreements in Kenya you know a lot of businesses are doing cross border transactions so I was like okay sorry that's great now I was going to say how did you find yourself then figuring out you want to go specifically to renewable energy or is it something that you're still exploring right now so again that was just so random um i did a module on renewable energy law so as i said my very broad masters again uh one of the things you do is you could do was energy law but it was again broken so you did oil and gas and you did renewable energy so when i was doing renewable energy I got quite interested in it. I'd never done it before. Now in my undergrad, not really even in practice, uh so I was like, okay. And then I decided to do my dissertation on renewable energy and I focused on onshore wind in England. So I was already like, okay, this is something I'm interested in. And then I got a job as a research associate during my masters. So this I started in April May 2020. to what year we in 2023 yes <laughs> yeah so i started last year um and the first thing i was told uh, the project that we were working on at the time with the dean was on renewable energy it was on offshore energy 
so it was tied offshore energy tied with uh WTO so the World Trade Organization policy on that so it just kept on like pushing me in that direction I was like you know maybe this is a sign <laughs> dissertation in renewable energy like wow yeah what do you what do you even write on page 1 like that <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know even me sometimes I'm like what what were you even writing what was going on but um you'll shock yourselves <laughs> <laughs> That's super impressive. Super Thank impressive. you. Yeah. So I know with with law uh of course it's it's not easy uh, that that whole journey. What were some of the challenges that you faced both in the UK and also here? I know you mentioned here so being quite a problem but what more challenges did you Um I like we said case being quite a problem. I'll, I'll start, that's a good summary <laughs> of what case law <laughs> was quite a problem. Yes. Um <laughs> the challenges i faced in law yeah it can get um hard and you need to be ready to read a lot i think anyone who's going in it's so true you will read and read and read but i think having an interest helps so that was i would say in my undergrad just getting used to just constantly reading so much <laughs> and you know writing a lot of essays um and then i think with law is be ready that it's going to take you a bit long because if you decide to do law abroad and come back to Kenya say uh, so I'll use example line which is England and Wales it's 3 years for your degree then you're going to come back to KSL as I said KSL is 18 months so and that's already extra time you're adding and that's you've not even added how long it will take you to go to Riara so mm-hmm. when you put all this time together you know give yourself 5 6 years because of as i said these um timelines of when you finish riara and when you can start ksl so depending on when you finish so give yourself some time and be prepared in that time to maybe do some work experience in between have to get like internships or legal assistant jobs and stuff because you're not necessarily going to be able like your peers who have done another degree to just easily finish law and then enter a job because even if you stay in the UK for instance you can get a job you're right with um maybe like a training contract or something but again you have to first do the do the classes and then you get a training contract which is still sort of like pupilage you know so you have to be ready well um was you know you said you you got used to from your undergrad um just needing to read did that make it easier for you getting back into your masters or getting back into like student mode after having taken that break i think i was so excited to get into student mode so <laughs> um also i hadn't stayed out too long so something people kept telling me is don't get used to working don't get used to the salary you know mm-hmm. you become comfortable mm-hmm. and all these things so i hadn't gotten you know i hadn't worked for that long because i did my pupilage and then i worked for a bit at the same firm mm-hmm. after and then i you know applied and got into my master so i didn't really have like, a long time between being sort of like a trainee stroke student into right um doing my masters okay. and i remember like when i would come back home for the break and i would you know we would be hanging out you know we'd go for dinner with ruth or drinks and stuff and i would always sort of and me being the one 
in uni for such a long time I sort of felt like I sort of struggled to not compare myself to the fact that people were done with uni like now they're working and like they were proper adulting and so like what were some of the things that were keeping you motivated and keeping you focused during that time because I felt like in those moments it's so easy for me to be like well I must be nice to you know I don't know your parents can't tell you anything you're working you know you're paying (laughs) some bills you know even if you're living at home so what were the things that were keeping you focused and keeping you motivated on that journey? Because someone will hear like, you know, six years, you know, plus or minus family drama, finances, et cetera. You know, life happens. What are some things that you can tell people that can keep them motivated, not be afraid of exploring that journey for themselves? So um, a great quote I've actually um, heard quite recently was, even if you're scared, do it, but do it scared. So if you've decided you Mm -hmm. want to, to do law or what or, or whatever your passion lies and you know how long it's going to take I think that's just what you have to just think of the end goal like okay at the end I want to be an advocate so if it takes you six years fine and it, I won't say to that days of course I have that especially when I compare myself to people who haven't done um who haven't had my journey of doing law abroad and then coming back so even say friends of mine who did law in Kenya and then went straight to KSL you know, kind of like, oh, you know, at least them, they finished and they didn't have to do this. Um, but, well, it's life, you know, that's just <laughs> what it was for you because um, that's another thing to think about if you do want to go abroad. In Kenya, it would have been four years and because you've done all the modules, you don't need to go to the other, right? So you'll do four years in uh, Kenya University and then 18 months of the KSL and pupillage situation. So that's what, five and a half. Um, assuming you know you just did it straight and as you said again plus or minus family drama whatever so I think what kept me going was just as I said I didn't have another passion so I just knew this was me (laughs) Mm. (laughs) fair enough (laughs) same and what are things uh, you like doing for fun like outside your studies so when it was warm and I was in lovely sunny Kenya I would play tennis (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good times um now it's mostly just uh trying to get back into reading for fun um because i said you read so much in law that sometimes you don't even want to read for fun but trying to get back mm-hmm. into reading for fun um doing like home workouts just even watching netflix and just having mindless fun hanging out with people i think i'm a bit extroverted in that sense so you know i like going out to hang out with people um yeah nice nice and there's a question i ask almost every every lawyer or everyone who has studied law and it's one that i don't think i'll stop asking but how real is suits like do you watch them do you see <laughs> oh some yeah errors or <laughs> law shows in general like what, what do you think about them um suits like any other you know legal drama would say is it just shows you the most fun parts of law. And honestly, law is like 90% of the time is quite boring. Like maybe 10% can be like suits, right? So exciting. And, um, you know, you're doing these like super fun things. You've gone to court and you're there standing up, objection, but really, okay, the only part of suits I can say maybe is the dressing. I'd say lawyers really care about how they look. That, that much I can say, okay, yeah. The dressing, you know, the hair, the what. Yeah, I would say <laughs> lawyers are a bit vain. 
<laughs> and speaking of getting dressed up, I'll I don't know if I don't know if you guys know this or Dennis if you noted there was a time um Joanne that you dyed your hair purple, right? <laughs> and guys, when I tell you Joanne is extroverted, this girl is extroverted and always has been. And just for someone like yourself who, you know, you've you've studied abroad, you've grown up in Kenya, you went back and you did KSL back home. And, you know, being a lawyer is something that's very serious. It's very much like, it's sort of like being a doctor. It's one of those very, I mean, like, I feel like every career is a respectable career. It's a very respectable job. Do you think you going to the UK and I mean, in some ways practicing or studying law allowed you to sort of like be Joanne, but also be this respectable lawyer and have that safe space to be those things and explore who you really are? That makes sense. So um, I dyed it blue after that, right? So when I was even starting my master's, wow. it was blue. So <laughs> just even <laughs> it's it's still a bit blue at the end. But anyway, um, when you're in university for law, I would say here in the in the UK, people were you know didn't really care. You could kind of do whatever. Um, I think the dressing the dress code was not as strict. Now, KSL is very strict. Even the color of suit you can wear. First, you have to go to school every day, formal. And there's certain colors you can wear. So that obviously has to, like, mute you down. So you, during that time for KSL, I was like, okay, I have to look respectable. Um, but then after that, I kind of, again, because I was coming back from my master's, I had my time. So I would say for a lawyer, is also depends on what type of law you do because some people don't work in law firms. They work maybe in an organization where you're a bit more free. Uh, so you can have maybe your colored hair, your tattoos, your fun colored clothes. So if you're someone who maybe feels that's something you'd prefer, maybe go into that. For me, um, well, I was like, I can just wear a wig. <laughs> So kind of can be can be me on the weekends and then during the week can be, you know, respectable commercial lawyer. So what does the future hold for Joanne? Oh gosh. Um she doesn't know either. I think <laughs> it's such a loaded question. Um I hope to keep growing uh in renewable energy policy and law or just energy law in general because I quite enjoy looking at that how our energy policy all over how is that going to affect the transition to net zero because global warming is affecting all of us you know whether you're here in the UK whether you're in Kenya it's something we have to deal with and the reality of that we have to deal with having energy security so I really enjoy looking into something that actually impacts people. I think it's such a a good way of putting what my passions are into actually helping people. Um, so hopefully that's what it has in store for me. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know if I'll stay as a research associate for a while. I don't know if I'll end up in an organization that does that. That part I'm still figuring out because I only graduated in January 2023 anyway so I had too much experience post-masters to sort of be like oh this is where I want to go and I feel like I'm someone who's always changing my mind like I'll, I'll hear something cool and I'm like oh I mean that's how I ended up in renewable energy anyway you know 
So who knows? <laughs> Congratulations on the, the, the graduation, by the way. Thank you. Massive feat. Do you think that you would consider moving back to Kenya? Is that in the cards for you? Or do you feel like for now, anyways, until you change your mind, that the UK is somewhere that you want to explore a bit more? I think I'd want to stay here for a bit more, just also for experience. Because um, mm-hmm. another reason I did my master's abroad, I just needed a change from Nairobi at the time. I kind of had been there mm-hmm. for so long. I was kind of like, you know, doing the same thing and it kind of just felt at that point like I wasn't growing in the way I wanted to grow so I feel like here I'm able mm-hmm. to grow in what I'm interested in right now which is renewable energy I don't really know if I would have these opportunities in Kenya maybe in a few years I'd go back I, I do think um, home is best you know for me I know that's different for different people but for me I do think the best place eventually to end up and to be able to put in some of the things I've learned along the way. Hmm. And as a, I mean, I, I tend to like asking this, but as you know, a black African woman working in a predominantly white space, what's that been like for you? Um, interesting question. So far I've mostly worked by myself with, so how my role works is I do research in conjunction with the dean of the law school at Durham Uni. So I mm-hmm. I do my research and I have meetings with him. So I don't really, um, I can't say I have that like sort of work uh, place. I don't know how to right. put it, like that environment where like I'm sitting with other people every day. So I don't really yeah. um, have that. So I haven't really had any issues uh, hopefully I don't, but I can't really say uh, I felt that every day. But I would say sometimes seeing black women in certain industries does help. So I do like mostly on LinkedIn try and like follow black women who are in energy law specifically. And it's mostly in Kenya that I'm seeing that here I've not yet really found that community. And I think I'd like to because mm-hmm. the way I'm saying, I don't really know where this will lead me. Right. If I was in Kenya, at least, yeah. if I was like, okay, I want to be an energy lawyer in Kenya, I already know who I'd go to and ask. But here I have no mm-hmm. clue who I would go. And I think you kind of sometimes feel like if you look like me, you're more likely to be able to explain to me what is um, the right path because you've done it too. Yeah. I'm sure I could go ask a white man, yes, but... I feel like a black woman would be able to be like, this is the best way and I can listen to her. I don't know. It's more relatable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also, I guess that's where the benefit of, you know, studying abroad and then going back to do Riara and KSL and then going back, if you plan on going back to Kenya eventually, because you've built that network of people back home, you know, mm-hmm. that community around you who can help you. And like you said, it's important to, invest in the relationships you have regardless of where you end up you know um because yeah it's you will need those people eventually you know and like you you know someone who's you know done renewable energy in durham and then going back to kenya those are those are two communities that maybe one day could help one another you know just with the way that the world is so globalized um especially yeah definitely so I guess it's yeah, just needing to find more of those um, 
networks and you know i guess platforms like this where we're able to hear from other people who have come before us and and been like oh okay so that's even who i can go ask about this <laughs> we need you back in nairobi john just in case some of us do illegal things <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure one day i'll definitely come back um and i think you know obviously networking is honestly so important um i remember even during my day he's interviewed and she you know talked about how just networking really just opens up so many um opportunities for you so even for me it, to even get my current role was generally just going and having a conversation with someone and them saying oh we actually I'm looking for a research assistant to do this and this and had I maybe not just gone and had just a conversation with someone I wouldn't have known about it mm Hi so normally we have our round of uh, question and just as we wrap up um we as hosts uh, then now ask ourselves what we've learned from from our guest i feel like you is so much as Cynthia says also mm-hmm. lawyers tend to have so many words as well so for our co-hosts what have you guys learned from this conversation with John um for me what i've like my big takeaway from the whole conversation has been you know if there's something that you're interested in take your time to do your research and look into it what do you need to learn what do you need to know what do you need to do who do you need to know who do you need to meet um i think it's important um just to really understand because if it's something you're really passionate about and care about then you will want to know all that information related to the topic um so it's been really interesting to hear how you know you've really understood the law and even with not having like anyone in your immediate or even extended family really being into law you've just taken it upon yourself to learn about it and learn what you need to do and you've gotten yourself to where you are at so it's been amazing thank you and congratulations no oh, thank you <laughs> um i think for myself other than the big words um i would say it's the importance of investing in the relationships um that you have with people regardless of where life may take you um and i think that's that really is a testament to who you are joan as a person um and i think it can take you really really far and it's important to just not really just think about your passing through you know from point a to point b but it's like what can i really take away from not just this situation or where i'm at but like from the people around me because it will come back to help you like you said you've you've made friends like really important relationships along the way and you've built networks and communities in places you never thought that you'd be um so i think that's that's it's really important and again congratulations babes like <laughs> you've 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 um you've kicked absolute butt and it's impressive to see so yeah thank you for coming on the podcast for, for me john like uh, i'm similar in, in the point of it used to worry me not having a lot of passions especially at such a young age and and that used to scare me because then i think about my future and then i wouldn't really know what to do because you don't have passions I think for you it's been a blessing in disguise that you didn't have any mm-hmm. but law was your number one passion and it's shown with mm-hmm. how far you've gone and how much you know about um what you're passionate about and that's taken you a really long way so just now for the people out there listening it's okay not to have as many passions especially for the young people 
mm-hmm. can be scary if you don't have many because then you don't know what to do like for your future and such but if you have one and you really believe in it and then if you give it your all like it can take you really far and it's taken you really far John, which is which is really impressive thank you um i think especially when you know now i don't want to say just social media because it can even be people you know when you're talking to someone and they're like what do you do and they're like oh i do this but on the side i do this such and the other and yeah, i feel like it's yeah. so common i don't know if it's now that it feels like it's so common that everyone has so many Science. talents mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. um but it's interesting to me that dennis says he doesn't have um so many passions because i i think i think a game developer is so hard and then you're doing a podcast i'm like bro <laughs> we are not the same <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, but also my co-hosts made me fall in love with doing podcasting because we're doing it well, so I give them the props for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as we wrap up, you know, um, at a Kenyan's experience, um, it's centered around empowering Kenyans, young and mature, with the stories of other Kenyans like yourself who have overcome many feats and you're still, uh, you know, you know, we're getting to know each other and, you know, empowering other people to know that it can be done, especially Kenyans, you know, to Kopa Moja. So if you were to give advice to your younger self, Joanne, to you know, that young girl who was, you know, in, at Hillcrest, you know, or, you know, either in high school or in A-levels, um, what advice would you give to her? I'll tell her it's going to be okay. I think especially mm-hmm. for, for me as someone who didn't do as well as I'd have wanted to in my A-levels, it it does work hard you know if it obviously even though you did well work hard but if you didn't just work hard keep at it if you this is your passion this is where you've been placed and you're able to do that just keep working hard i didn't get into what i wanted to for my undergrad and get to the university i wanted to but for my masters i went to such a great university i've had such great opportunities since then had i maybe given up on myself or sort of like beating myself up about how I did at my A levels and maybe not even worked as hard you know sort of that self esteem and confidence if you didn't have it going through it would have shown but the fact that you're like okay this is what this is what it is let's get to it let me keep working hard let me keep doing my work experience let me keep getting as much knowledge as i can to see how can i elevate the situation i'm at so I think i'll just you know tell i it works out um so yeah to anyone who's younger imagine it will, it doesn't feel like it i know at the moment i i know 18 year old me was like it's all bleak and it's over but <laughs> all these years later i'm like it did work out in the end mm. well thank you so much Joan, for being on the podcast and um yeah for giving us that amazing your the incredible advice and sharing your story um, so for our listeners, where can they find you? So I can be found on my LinkedIn, which is Joanne Irungu, or as people here would say, Joan. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's my LinkedIn. I have Instagram is the same name. You'll find me. Um, yeah, I'm not really anywhere else. I have a Facebook, but I use that like once a year, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We've really enjoyed having you. 
Um, and for, yeah, for everyone listening, um, we'd love to know what you guys um, learned from this episode. So we do have like mm-hmm. a voice message feature. So do send in your voice messages. You can hear yourself on the next episode. We're now sort of like running on track. So like when you hear this, probably would have been recorded a week or two weeks beforehand. Um, and similarly, share on Instagram, share on Facebook, LinkedIn um, with what you've loved about this episode and connect with us. Um, but yeah, that's all from us today. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for tuning into another episode of A Kenyan's Experience. If you found this episode inspiring or even helpful, then please do us a solid and share it with close friends or family or even just share it to the world. We appreciate you. Hit us up. Check out that new feature, the voice notes. Let us know what you think about this episode. We'd love to hear back from you.